This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you do fancy getting yourself any gear from over at Luke, don't forget to use my code MAX20 to get yourself a nice big 20% off. Obviously, it is getting a little bit colder outside now, and Christmas isn't a million miles away. So if you do want to go and get yourself any gear from over at Luke, don't forget to use my code MAX20. Hello and welcome to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyons. Simon, how are you, mate? All good? Not too bad, yeah. Yeah, recovering from the weekend in Bournemouth, yeah. Feeling good. Lovely jubbly. In this podcast, quite a bit coming up. Uh, we'll chat very briefly about the Legia Warsaw game, because it was quite a few days ago now. People have talked about it to death, and there's not a lot to say on it. So we'll briefly touch on that. Like Sy uh, alluded to there, we'll talk about our weekend in Bournemouth and our experience from the away end at the Vitality as well. Something that we don't usually do as well, I put out on Twitter... Uh, if people had any questions or topics that they wanted us to discuss as well. So we've got a few questions, some football related, some villa related and some random ones as well. So we talk about them at the end of the podcast as well. Just before we do crack on into the show, please do subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, please do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave a review as well because it really does help us out. A little comment or five stars, whatever it is, it really does mean a lot. But just before we do crack on, I want to give a shout out to a little lad called Zach. Um, we were in the concourse at Bournemouth yesterday just before the game. He was actually on the Villa on Tour video. He gave a nice little score prediction. And just before he uh, went back to his dad, he said he loves the podcast as well. And normally you sort of associate, I don't know, not not the little kids who like Villa on Tour. You don't associate them tuning into the podcast. So that was really nice, actually, wasn't it? So like we said last week, it's nice to, to put like faces to names and people come up to you and actually say in real life they enjoy the podcast, they enjoy the video. So that was a nice little moment. Little Zach at the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to see all the, all, all, all the young kids fresh into following Villa, isn't it? And just uh, absolutely sort of engrossed it sort of thing it reminds you like when you were like really really young and like nothing else mattered at all so yeah it's nice it's nice to for every again everyone coming up to us we had loads again uh, Bournemouth on the weekend and yeah it's always it's always really nice absolutely it's lovely and talking about Bournemouth just before we got into the ground just a bit quick bit of Villa news uh, Middlesbrough in the cup away it's going to be of a bit of a mission early January it's not the ideal cup tie is it <laughs> no not really no I think in such a busy schedule it's a busy schedule for us as well I mean like you'd have you'd have taken like a home game again wouldn't you really but yeah, Middlesbrough away. I mean, it's probably not an easy game actually. It's against one of the mm. okay, sort of middle-ish sort of teams in the championship. So it probably won't be an easy game. Uh, in in all honesty, we've got to got to be better than in the recent seven years. Anyway, I mean, seven defeats on the trot in the FA Cup third round it's over mad. the years, which is awful. So yeah, uh, it's a look at a chance for us to go a little bit further this year, but. Yeah, it's not not the absolute ideal one. You'd like to want a little bit more local. Well, yeah, exactly. Jamie mentioned um, at Bournemouth yesterday. It's probably the grounds that we've been to most on Villa on tour. We obviously we went there in the Championship, went there in the playoffs as well. We've got a decent record there, so hopefully we can, like you said, put those seven years um, behind us because that is that is ridiculous. Seven years losing in the third round of the FA Cup is horrible. So hopefully there's an opportunity there for us to actually progress. Like I touched on at the top of the show, then let's talk very briefly about the Legia Warsaw game. It was bizarre, something I'd never seen before at Villa Park. And I think it all comes down to Legia Warsaw. I think they sort of stoked it on, like you said, at the ground, we were talking about what was going on and they don't help themselves, do they? It sort of feels like there's an overriding victim mentality from Legia Warsaw. It's it's weird. Yeah, the whole the whole scenario was ridiculous. I mean, I think from from the club putting out constant club statements, 
basically been quite angry towards Villa, towards UEFA, towards police authorities. It didn't it didn't make for good reading in the in the week in the run up to it. And I think I said I feel it's gonna kick off on Thursday. You could just you could just feel it. Um and then the events that Legia Warsaw ended up getting into on Thursday was a joke. Not accepting tickets until what, five, six o'clock on the evening and then no tickets were actually given to any of the supporters and none of them could even get in anyway. And and then you had over two and a half hours and expecting just to be let in for free, essentially, which was never going to happen. And then they ended up getting in some horrendous battles with the police, really. And, um, you know, I think there was one chap talking to us um, at Bournemouth on the weekend saying, like, you know, he was around in the, you know, the sort of 60s, the 70s, and he was saying that it was some of the worst, you know, sort of fighting he'd seen against the police for years. And yet... Here we are in 2023. We're talking about that in football. It just feels a bit, a bit mad. And then, yeah, fans weren't let into the ground, and it and it had an impact on the atmosphere and mm. and the game itself in the end, which uh, which was disappointing because we we you know we were big enough to be our biggest game so far in the in the in yeah. Europe, and you know we expected them to bring and generate a really good atmosphere, and it was sad in the end. It never really happened. Yeah, it was annoying. It was definitely one of the ones that I was really really looking forward to. Obviously, Legia Warsaw. We've got typically very decent fans so and on the football side of things anyway so it would have been nice to actually see plenty of them in Villa Park but it didn't quite turn out that way the comment section on my video on Villa on tour is just absolutely wild all the Polish fans trying to justify their actions there's just no matter what we say or what anybody says there's just no getting through to them it's mental and I think West Midlands police deserve quite a bit of credit um, I think they handled it pretty well I think like you said there they were saying as well when I saw it on the news they were saying that it's some of the worst football violence they'd seen ever 44 men and one woman are due to appear at Birmingham Crown Court on the 5th of January for all sorts of offences so uh, yeah hopefully some uh, justice comes of that just one thing I did want to mention as well quite a few people talked to me uh, at Bournemouth about this as well the Polish AI that I used in the video where people thought I was actually talking Polish people actually believed it and I think when I showed it to you for the first time when I was using that AI software where I was completely speaking Polish I'll put a clip of it in here Filmik był bardzo udany komentarze od fanów Legii były miłe mieliśmy świetny czas w Warszawie i pokochali Twoje miasto. Przed tym spotkaniem mówiono o tym, że Legia Warszawa posiada ograniczoną liczbę biletów na Villa Park. It's just bizarre that software and it actually got through to all the Polish people and all the comments were saying, even from Polish people, they didn't know whether it was real or not. So uh, I think I'll be using that again. It's a, it's a very weird piece of software, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, as you just said, I was convinced you were speaking Polish. So I mean, that was a, that was a couple of weeks <laughs> before you, you used it on the video, and I was I was all confused anyway. So yeah, it don't take a lot though. So yeah, there we go. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Right. Let's move into Bournemouth then. It was a decent weekend, wasn't it? We went down on the Saturday. Um, I love Bournemouth. It's a really really nice, quiet place. Um, it was free when we first went into the pub and then it warmed up when we came out on the night so that was a little bit weird definitely warmer um, than Birmingham looking at what was going on over the weekend but it was a great weekend wasn't it uh, went to a nice couple of boozers watched the football nice chill Saturday night it was nice it was nice and chilled yeah watched the football had a few beers and in nice surroundings really on the on the coast went into a nice sort of beach bar it had like some good vibes didn't it and uh, yeah we had a we had a few drinks it was a it was a, it was a good night and it was yeah nice and chilled really not rushing on sort of Sunday morning to get down to Bournemouth. So yeah, um, yeah, re- really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's why we did it. We didn't want to get the uh, the coach at half six, which would have been absolutely mental on the uh, Sunday morning. Yeah, like you said, we found a nice place on the pier um, and there was a massive fight in that place later on in the night, which was very weird. And what I've learned about you as well is that whenever there's a bit of confrontation, you just laugh. Like it was the same on Thursday nights when uh, there was people being kicked, kicked out around us and people were all kicking off and you just stood there in your seat laughing. And that really made me laugh as well. And then when this fight was kicking off on the pier bar, 
in the weekend. You just sat there laughing. It was really funny, man. So that's weird, isn't it? I just find it comical. I just find it's all just <laughs> pathetic and pointless. And so I just find it funny and start laughing. That's just how I do it. I was adamant I wasn't moving from that seat on Saturday night as the fighting <laughs> was ensuing around us in that pub. Literally at our table, pretty much. I was just sat there still drinking me. Drinking me drink, you know, so as you do, you know, I just, you know, it's pathetic. Get get over yourselves. Yeah, I think I was a little bit more sober than you, so I uh, kind of moved out the way a little bit, but yeah, that was bizarre. Um, in the morning as well, we went for breakfast, and somebody commented on the video, actually, about the state of my beans on toast. Ooh. I was livid, mate. Five pounds of beans on toast. You got one slice and about half a tin of beans at most. That's that's definitely, you can tell you on the south coast there, southern prices. That was absolutely ridiculous, but yeah, it was just a nice weekend. We, lo- we like to do these weekends, don't we? We don't have to always get the coach where it's going to be silly early, so it's nice to do these weekends, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to mix it up a little bit and... Uh... Yeah, just see more of the places rather than just touching it with the football kind of thing, you know. So, so I, I said, I said, I said before, I've been to Bournemouth a couple of time, times, but it was literally just fleeting visits in and out for the football, and so it was nice to go and spend a little bit more time. So yeah, it's nice to mix it up. I I quite enjoy it. Yeah. Right, so that's the weekend. Let's actually talk about some football. It's the start of Villa's manic December. Eight games in December, obviously Bournemouth away being the first one. But there was a little bit of rumor about Ollie Watkins being out. Team news did come out. We were obviously buzzing that Ollie Watkins was in there. But it was a little bit different, wasn't it? Obviously, Bailey comes in, Zaniolo starts, but I think the main talking point was uh, Diego Carlos starting and Ezri Conte moving out to right back with no sign of Matty Cash. Yeah, I think the game had that sort of expectation over it as well from Villa's perspective. And I think some Villa fans kind of expected us just to win anyway, just to kind of get, had that vibe, didn't it? That not a lot of people were actually talking about the actual match. And I think when you know about it, I mean, when, when that happens, you know that people are just kind of expecting us to turn up and get the three points anyway. I'm not saying everybody, but... I think there was a, a pocket of people who were who were a little bit like that. And so it always feels a bit dangerous, that does for me. Like you know, you've got that level of expectation. And so yeah, yeah team news was a bit uh I, I didn't expect it actually. I didn't expect it. Not not so much at the back. I mean he's been Emery's been doing that a fair bit, especially away from home, bringing Carlos in and Conza playing right back. But just further up further up the pitch really, I was surprised to see Tielemann starting the defensive too. I thought McGinn would probably drop back, which he didn't. And then obviously Diaby on the bench, which was a bit of a surprise. You know, obviously mm. he's our, one of our best players and uh, he brings in Zaniolo. And I, I understand the manager's comments. That, you know, he's got a squad. He wants to try and keep everyone happy and get people minutes and confidence and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a tad surprising, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely surprising considering how sharp Diaby was against Leggy Water. Obviously, scoring that really really good goal early on on Thursday night, it was definitely surprising to, to see him drop out. I've never seen a winger have so much joy as Bournemouth's left winger Semenyo, who they signed from Bristol City in the summer. I think it all kind of stems from that decision to leave Matty Cash out, start Diego Carlos, move Conza out to right back. And we haven't really, really seen it too much without Cash being there. So it was something new, something different. It just felt from from the first minute yesterday that everything was coming down Bournemouth's left-hand side. And you know, sometimes when Sky Sports do them stats where it's like, what percentage of the attack is coming down, which side, whatever, it must be something ridiculous because everything at the start of that game yesterday was coming down Bournemouth's left, wasn't it? It was. I saw something earlier. You're talking about the percentages, actually quite uh, ironic because I saw something earlier. Um, I don't know whether it's from Jacob Tanswell in the Athletic or whether it's from somebody else, I'm not sure. But all of Bournemouth's attacks, 95% of them came down wow. down that side, which, which yeah, does show you how how much they kind of targeted. I think it was Jacob Tanswell because they asked they asked the manager, Iriola, after the game whether they specifically had a game plan to target Villa down mm. that side and he denied it, apparently. Uh, but with those sort of stats, it feels kind of... Mm, I'm, sure, I'm fairly sure you did have a, a game plan to do that. You know, it's a little bit coincidental of wise, isn't it? But, yeah, it, it was interesting because 
I'm not a huge fan of it anyway. I've spoken about it at length before. I'm not a huge fan of Conza at right back and and purely just for the fact that he's our best centre-half and I just think you're moving him out of a position where he's so good, you know, and he, not even just in terms of defending, in terms of his uh, build-up play, bringing out a defence, he's so good at that. Uh, and without him there, you don't have that kind of thing and you shouldn't him out to right back and I think you lose some of his key attributes and they're not starting cash as well in front of him, however well Leon Bailey plays. Um, he, he didn't he didn't trap back enough to, to, to provide Conza with that protection and maybe that wasn't Bailey's job maybe the manager was expecting his midfielders to do that a bit more but again you're looking at like Tillemans and obviously I don't, he had a good game he had a good game Tillemans but he's not going to be the sort of player that gets around the pitch an awful lot because he hasn't got the speed for that um, and so that's mm. kind of why we're surprised to see him in that holding too as well so yeah there's a few eyebrows raised definitely at, at how we did that I don't think it worked. I don't think it worked. To, to, to be honest, well, we can see it didn't work. I mean, Semenya was lucky to stay on the field. He should have been. He should have been off in the first half, and I think we all know that. Um, however, yeah, we didn't look comfortable. We didn't look comfortable down down that side at all. And I thought, I thought Conza had a tough day, and I, I don't think it was particularly a poor performance. It was just that we just didn't look comfortable defending over on that side. And I think it was a collective rather than just Ezri Conza having an absolute sting parade. It wasn't that at all. Why do you think he did it then? Do you think it was something to do with, I mean, I, I talked about this during the game. Was it to deal with Solanke, throw Carlos in there, a bit more of a physical presence? Or was it simply to to drop Matty Cash? Because obviously we played a similar sort of thing at Tottenham last week. Matty Cash obviously started that game, but it was still sort of three at the back, Carlos, Conza, Torres. Um, and Cash obviously struggled in that game. But no Cash this time. Carlos still keeping his place. It's a little bit of a strange one. And, and just watching that game individually, I couldn't really see a benefit to it. Obviously, Unai Emery knows a million times more about football than I do, clearly. But I just I just can't quite see the benefit of what that would offer you. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because, yeah, I think that, obviously, with Carlos being there, you have, you know, sort of a presence in the air. But Bournemouth don't lump the ball into the box, though. They're not a, they're not a big physical side like they, like they used to be. Uh, now they're under Iriola. So I don't know, to be honest. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of say maybe it was to be a little bit more attacking, get more attacking players up the pitch, which I suppose did happen. How we played Bailey, Zaniolo, Tielemans, McGinn, etc. But then you bring in, you're changing. You, you wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need to change your centre half. You're doing that, would you? You just play cash if you were mm. going to be ultra attacking. So I don't know. There must have been a reason for it. Maybe one of the reasons again is because he wants to give minutes to people around the squad. Maybe that's mm. what it was. As as his decision to start Zaniolo, that's why he started Zaniolo. So. Maybe that's why he did that as well with Carlos. But yeah, I think it was probably a lesson uh, for us. I think last week, Diego Carlos against Spurs, I thought he had his best game in a Villa shirt, to be honest. And I think with Diego Carlos, I think overall he's, you know, he's actual defending. He's pretty good. I think I was saying that yesterday. Like Defensively, he's a pretty good defender. I'm just not sure that he suits us playing in the style that Emery likes us to play in. I don't he's not I just don't think his distribution's good enough. And I think and I think it costs us. I do really think it costs us and it, it did yesterday. Um and I think it has I think it has in the past as well. He's just not as comfortable in that sort of building up building out from the back. And um it was it was a bit of a strange one, I've got to be honest. But as you say, I'm sure you know Emery well no it's not I'm sure. He definitely does. He knows he knows a lot more about football management than, than I do. So, yeah, I was left to scratch my head a little bit. Definitely what epitomised what we're missing at centre-half when you're moving Conza out wide is that tackle just before half-time. That was just absolutely world-class. And I just think that's something that you'd miss from having Carlos in the middle. We talk about recovery pace an awful lot. And we talked about how we, we thought we were going to miss that when Tyra Mings obviously had that massive injury. And it's something that we do miss from him. 
But that that defender from from Cons is exactly why you want him in the middle. You've got Cash out wide playing at right back. He's got a, li- a little bit of pace around him. But especially next to Paul Torres, you need someone with a bit of pace. And just that tackle yesterday, it, it was just world-class. And honestly, you never hear a roar from like an away end like that unless we score. So just credit to Cons on that. I could watch that tackle all day. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was. And um, But yeah, just this whole right back thing is concerning me because... I just don't like moving your best players out of their natural positions. It's kind of like mm. saying, like, would we do it up front? Would we drop Ollie Watkins out onto the left wing or the right wing? Would we do yeah. that? And I, and I don't think we would. I, I personally wouldn't be doing it in defence as well. Defence is probably the most important part on the pitch, along with striker, really. And so, I, I don't know. I just It feels like we're just shoehorning. That, 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 to me, feels like we're shoehorning a player into a position where they're not that comfortable. And don't get me wrong, Conza can play at right back. He can. I'm not saying he's a terrible right back, but I just think it takes away from his skills as a centre half, and so I'd rather just have him at centre half if I'm being honest. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Conz is a bad right back. I think you're missing more than you're gaining by doing that. I don't think it's like oh, we're not saying Conz is a bad right back. It's just exactly what you're missing mm. at the heart of the defence. And just talking about Carlos as well, you said that it strikes you as someone that you know you wouldn't exactly sign, you wouldn't expect Emery to sign, and that's exactly what didn't happen. Gerard signed him and. It might be down to the injury. We simply don't know because I didn't watch Diego Carlos enough before his injury, but just seems a little bit slow on the ball. People talk about his good passing and, you know, he does make the odd really, really good pass. But especially yesterday, how many times did he launch it forward or launch it into an area which was just absolutely hopeless and it, it just wasn't coming off? So I think what you said is, is a good point about his defending is actually okay. Like uh, at Tottenham, he made a lot of good tackles and a lot of good blocks. But just when we we're on the ball and his passing, it was just off, especially at Bournemouth and just on the whole a little bit. It, it does worry me a little bit because he can be careless and that's where the first goal comes from, essentially. Yeah, I just think Emery likes to play in a system where we're we, we you know, we're very patient and we don't sort of... There's no rush of blood to the head kind of thing. That's how we play. But with Carlos, it kind of feels like he sometimes has that rush of blood to the head and he'll, he'll pump the ball up the field or he'll just knock it into an area where the midfielder just doesn't want it and we get dispossessed. And um, it's difficult for him because, as you say, he was a Gerrard signing and I think I didn't see a lot of him before he came to Villa. Mm. But I can't imagine he was... I, I, maybe somebody will correct me, but I can't imagine he was a great distributor before he came to Villa because he hasn't lost that because of his injury. He hasn't. And, like, don't get me wrong, some of the odd, some of the odd crossfield balls he does are nice, but they're on the odd occasion, though. And, and the other times he's given, he's given it away a lot and it did contribute. To, to the first goal. I mean, the first goal yesterday was really, really poor. It was, you know, we were comfortable in possession and Carlos has one of them sort of rush of bloods to the head. He, it was an awful pass. It was like a no-look pass. He didn't even look really. And then he gives it away and then he's defending after that. wasn't great though. He goes running towards the player rather yeah, than r- r- rather rather than staying in his position in, in that following the space. He went following the player and um, and obviously then it was just a, a simple sort of one-on-one tapping. Um, which was really, really disappointing. But yeah, it feels like we're digging him out. And I, and I, and I don't want to do that because I think he has had a bad injury. And I think he, he was very good at Spurs last weekend. I think he's he's a good defender. But I'm just not I'm not 100% convinced in the way that Unai Emery plays, he's the most ideal choice, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Semenyo makes it 1-0 to Bournemouth. And again, it's, a, it's an away goal conceded within 10 minutes. And you're sort of rolling your eyes at that point thinking, oh, here we go again. Semenyo shouldn't have been on the pitch. You touched on it a minute ago. That is one of the most ridiculous decisions I've seen. And Dermot Gallagher was on Sky today saying 
the referee can't have seen it because or Leon Bailey's body is blocking it. And that's just, it's just, it's just mental. It is mental. And we've talked a lot this season. Look, red cards, you know, are covered by VAR. You've got that sort of backup. You've got that insurance with VAR with the, with the video stuff. But the second yellows and just yellows in general, it's hit and miss this season, isn't it? They seem to change the rule on descent and referees don't seem to know the rule. And the referee yesterday was so stop-start, so talkative when he just needed to let the game flow. And we were saying coming out the ground that, if a referee is going to be lenient across a game and not book players, that's fine. But don't change it up within a game and make it inconsistent where you're going to book somebody for absolutely nothing. And then a stonewall yellow card yesterday from Semenya when he's pulling Leon Bailey's shirt when he's away. Don't not book him then. It's just bizarre. No consistency in how Semenya stayed on the pitch. I've got no idea. No, there's zero consistency and it comes back to we just don't know anymore what's a yellow card and what's not. Um, you know, he had a period where he was absolutely flashing his yellow cards like no one's business yesterday, but then that one doesn't get a yellow. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to anybody within the, within the ground at all. And um, yeah, simple. It's it's that This one's a real simple one. He just should have been sent off and that was that really. But again, referee gets it wrong or if he doesn't see it, whatever, I'd say, well, he's got a linesman not that far away as well. You know, why mm. Why can't one of them see it? Yeah, it was a poor, dec- a very poor decision, and yeah, it probably cost, probably cost us because obviously then we we're playing with ten, we're playing against ten men then, and mm. you, know, you got that extra man advantage, and yeah, it might have cost us to be fair. Let's talk about Leon Bailey then. Got a great goal to make it one-one, and I tell you what, you must have been listening to last week's podcast because we were talking about him uh, in depth, really, and we were saying that he just kind of needs to have that little bit of confidence about him and just in his head, just think, right, I'm going to cut inside and I'm going to do it because sometimes he just hesitates and you can see like the cogs turning in his head sometimes and he doesn't really know what he's going to do. But he must have been listening because that is exactly what he did for that goal and it was absolutely brilliant. That's exactly what you want him to do. Cut inside. It was a great finish, wasn't it? To respond quickly and make it 1-1. Yeah, and I thought he looked a threat all afternoon, Leon Bailey. I think he looks really sharp at the moment. And um, yeah, it looked like he was going to create a chance or either for himself or one of his teammates throughout that first half. And yeah, it was a, it was a lovely goal, wasn't it? Obviously cut inside. Maybe maybe he was allowed to cut inside a little bit too easily, but yeah, just an absolute thunderbolt of a strike and the keeper's not going not gonna to save that. And so, yeah, it was good to get back on level terms pretty quickly, wasn't it? Because you're right, letting a, letting a goal in so early, getting the game, you kind of think, oh, here we go again, sort of thing, where we've got a bit of a mountain to climb. But yeah, it was good to get back on level terms really quick. And yeah, Leon Bailey at the moment just seems to be in like a, a decent streak of form. Oh, he's looking really sharp. And you're thinking, a couple of minutes later, we take the lead. But I don't want to talk about VAR. It's really boring. But it's just the amount of time it takes. I mean, the coverage wasn't quite as good because this game wasn't on Sky Sports. So obviously, there wasn't quite as good coverage, especially not being at the game. I haven't seen too much. I've seen a couple of angles. Um, If it's offside, it's offside. I've got no problem with that. It's just the amount of time it takes. And it's really boring talking about it because we talk about it all the time. All the time. We literally talked about it last week at Tottenham as well. I think this one took longer than the Watkins offside last week. This took so long. It was mental. Yeah, you're right. It's the time taken. It's the very little information you have in the ground about what they're even looking at. Okay, it just says offside, but offside on who? And even when the decision's like been finalised, no one really actually tells you what 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 the actual overall how they actually overall came to the decision. You just don't know anything. Uh, that's what I don't like. I mean, it's a good free again, a good three minutes or more, and it's yeah, it's just silly, isn't it? But yeah, on the on the whole. Like, if you're offside, you're offside. I've not got a massive issue with that. It's just, it's just a it's just a massive volume of time it takes. So we were just talking about Leon Bailey there and how we thought he looked sharp and he looked good and he really did at the weekend. But someone who potentially didn't and a couple of people on Twitter asked us to talk about, including David, Ash and Adam, definitely wanted us to talk about him. Zaniolo um, wasn't his, his greatest game and it's unfortunate for him because... <sighs> 
he looked so good when he first came on and there was a lot of promise. He obviously had a, a great career before he came to Villa and definitely before those injuries that he did have, those massive injuries that he had. But he just quite hasn't quite got going, has he, at Villa? And his Villa career hasn't kicked off. And he hasn't got a goal. And I think that's eluded him a little bit. Because if he gets that, you never know. He might be that much of a confidence player. That, that makes all the difference. You don't know. But I just think yesterday against Bournemouth, we always, when he first came in and after his first couple of games, you're thinking, right, he's, he's a massive lad. And he, he plays out on the wing. That's something different, isn't it? He's got a bit of physicality about him. He's, he's quite unique. But we haven't seen that used to, to Villa's advantage, have we? He is a big lad, but he seems to just get pushed off the ball a little bit. He holds onto it for a little bit too long when he could just release it and do the easy option. He does quite, quite you know, tries to run past players when it's not the great option and he does get dispossessed. And that physicality is definitely lacking, which is surprising. Um, so what, what did you make of him yesterday? Yeah, he's, str- he's struggling to find his feet, isn't he? And um, I think that's quite evident. I think I said to you that um, it surprises me a little bit because he actually gets himself in some decent positions, uh, but his decision-making is really, really not there at the moment. It's really poor. Um, as you said, I'm, I'm like the odd, I'm like the odd times like he'll get the ball in a really good position, like in a lot of space, which he's made for himself. Um, and you can see he's thinking in his head, he'll go left, he'll go right. And then he does neither because he's, he's thinking about it too much. He's not instinctive with him at the moment. And... I don't know if he's trying too hard, I don't know, trying too hard to impress and he's thinking, oh, really overanalyzing everything rather than it just becoming sort of, right, I'll just go my left here or go my, go go on the right here or whatever. And I, and I found it interesting yesterday because obviously he's found a lot of the time in the team, been playing on the left-hand side in the absence of like Jacob Ramsey. And I, I know he's, I know I've been saying that's not his, it's not his favourite position. His favourite position is number 10 or it's on the right wing. He's not a left winger, but then he did play on the, behind the striker yesterday and he, and he did drop an absolute stinker, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I mean, no assists, no goals and we're into what, December, which isn't which isn't brilliant. And he's actually played a fair few games as well. It's not like he's yeah. not played at all. And so we've got to give him time. We've got to give him time. And he might just be one of these players that takes quite a while to, to, to sort of settle in. I think it'll be interesting to see what the terms of conditions of his loan are. There's a lot of talk in the summer about it being like an obligation to buy if he played a certain amount of games. And so I'd be interested to see if that's actually true or not, whether it's a straight season-long loan. I just find it a little bit hard to believe that Galatasaray would have let him go on just a straight season-long loan, though, if there wasn't anything attached to it. So it feels a bit too good to be true, especially when an English club comes calling. Usually it's like the cash cow, isn't it, for these clubs? And so would we really get him on a... What, what would they benefit out of just getting rid of him on a season-long yeah. loan? It doesn't doesn't really ring like like that would be true to me. So I suppose we've got to give him time. I mean, you look at the how long it took Bailey to sort of get going. And over the years, we've had a lot of players over the years who've taken quite a while to get going. I mean, the one that always sticks into my head, and it was from quite a long time ago now, but when Stillian Petrov was signed by Martin O'Neill for Villa, and like, you know, totally different positions, obviously. But he started great in his first game as well. And then he, uh, he dropped an absolute stinker for a good season, season and a half. And it was at I remember at the point when Martin O'Neill was saying, you know what, I don't know if this is the right move for you. I don't know I don't know if you're ever gonna cut it at Villa sort of thing. And he was and yet Martin O'Neill was like that close to still in Petrov. He was you know, he was mm. he, he he was he was his favourite at Celtic sort of thing. And yeah, he didn't he didn't do that first year and a half and Petrov said, No, you know what, get my head down, I'm 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 determined to, to come good and then in the end he ended up becoming very good and ended up being the captain of Villa. And so he, that people can turn it around and so I think we've got to be patient with him. He's come to a, a brand a brand new league and I think that's what he's struggling with the most. I think you look at him and we talk about his physicality and I think he thinks he's got all the time in the world on the ball yeah. and he does. you don't get that in the Premier League. You, you, the moment, if, you, if you're thinking about it too much, then the ball's taken off you. Uh, and that's how quick the Premier League is. In Serie A, in uh, Turkey, you can probably play a little bit like that when you've got a little bit more time on the ball. 
um, and it's a steep learning curve for him. And so hopefully he will he will come good, and hopefully he'll start to contribute. But not the best game at all yesterday, and probably not the best start to life in Clarendon Blue. Yeah, I think it's very dependent on the player. I think a lot of players come in and hit the ground running. Look at Diaby on the whole; he's come in, and we've said it a million times. He looks like he's been here for years, and he, he's just been fantastic. But it, it just depends on the player because if you if you've come in, you expect Zaniolo to sort of have hit the ground running already because now you've sort of got Bailey, you've got Ramsey coming back now. Who are in obviously Ramsey plays on that left hand side, and that's where Zaniolo's played the majority of his football for Villa. So if he was going to make an impact, it would have been helpful for him to have done it already. Anything else to say on Zaniolo? <laughs> I, I think I, I think the thing is, Rune, though, he will get game time. Though I know what you're saying about the likes of Bailey, Ramsey, etc. But he will get game time because the sheer volume of matches we've got. It won't be the last time you, you see him or the last time you'll start a game because, you know, we've spent money on this guy in terms of the loan fee, etc. And so Emery will use him because he needs to use the squad. And so they'll get more chances. But yeah, he's got to start. He's got to start performing. He's got to start doing something in terms of goals, assists or contributions because he, he'll find himself out of the team more than he's in the team. And I think that's mm. the... I think that's the key thing. I think you've seen it with Emery a little bit. If he if he feels like he can't trust you, which has happened maybe to one or two players, especially this season when you look at like the likes of like Callum Chambers after his leggy Warsaw disaster away from home, he hasn't been, he hasn't had a looking since. And so mm. he's got to be careful a little bit because he's he's he will find himself just out of the team on the bench if he's not careful. He's got to start contributing in some way. But I think let, I don't know. Let, let, let's just give him time. I think. You know, it's still relatively early in his in his Villa career. So who who knows? He might he might come good. He might not. He might go down to be one of the players that he just doesn't it just doesn't work for him. But I think we just kinda of get try and get behind him and just try and hope that that the improvement does come. Yeah, let's not let's not write him off. I think we're all raving about Leon Bailey at the moment. And look at him. It looks like it's taken him what a couple of seasons to sort of find his feet at Villa. So, like I said earlier, it depends on the player. And hopefully, once Zaniolo gets that goal, maybe he will get that that confidence going. Because how many times have we seen that from Villa wingers once they get a goal and it's like, blimey, who's this bloke? We haven't seen this version yeah. of him before. So hopefully, when he does get, get get that goal, we can see a new version of him. But at the moment, it is a little bit frustrating. Um, going into the second half, then it. it Again, it was quite frustrating, wasn't it? A bit like the first half. I think Martinez bailed us out a couple of times, but God, the, the goal again, it's a bit of a stupid one, isn't it? It's a Martinez launch forward to Leon Bailey, who's never really going to win it, isn't it? And Solanke, to be fair to him, it's a very, very good goal and it's a good turn. And he spun Pau Torres there. And it's sort of similar to the Burnley goal, isn't it? Away from home, if you remember. Pau Torres gets spun and this one's along the ground rather than sort of bouncing in the air. Again, it's not a great goal to concede, is it? And you're sort of thinking, right, again, it's one of those days, isn't it, where it's just not going to go for Villa? Yeah, probably a goal probably out of character a little bit for Villa because I think we a bit of a rush of blood to the head, maybe. Martinez decides to, you know, lump it down the field and it was towards Bailey. He was never going to win that header. And um, obviously it comes bouncing back and then we're all out of position. We're kind of all at sea and very quickly the ball's in the back of the net, isn't it? And um, yeah, not great defending. It was just simple passing through the lines, wasn't it? And then... As you say, a quick turn. I don't think there's a lot Torres could do, if I'm being honest, but a very quick turn. It's in the back of the net. But yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of a rush of blood to the head at that point. I don't think we've seen Villa do that a lot from the keeper this this season, going long sort of thing. I think we've always been fairly calm and measured, but yeah, we didn't we didn't we didn't quite do that. And I, I think I point to the absence of Kamara. I think we missed him yesterday, especially in that yeah, yeah, yeah. building up play from the back in that transition. I think if Kamara's there, that kick long to Martin, uh, from Martinez up to Bailey probably doesn't happen to be honest um, then that goal comes from down that side where Kamara usually is as well so um, I think we missed him I do think we missed him more than I expected actually uh, especially when he drops into that sort of right sort of sided defender sort of role as well I thought we 
I thought we did miss Bubakar Kamari yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it'll be welcome to have him back this week. But, yeah, disappointing goal, really. And, again, you're a bit like, oh, that's a square one again. Yeah, definitely. Kamara, 100% worth mentioning that we definitely missed him. And it's great that we've got him back for uh, City. It's not like it's an injury or you're sort of banking on, oh, is he going to come back from this niggle against Man City? It's great to have him back 100% against Man City, definitely. Just want to pick on pick up on something that you mentioned just coming out of the stadium yesterday and the substitutes and the sort of decisions on who to bring on and when we brought them on. Obviously, Jacob Ramsey came on at half-time. So, Ramsey comes on at half-time for Zaniolo. McGinn comes off uh, for Duran on the 65th minute and then he makes a triple uh, triple change on the 74th minute which you don't see a lot Cash Moreno Diaby coming on definitely in the case of Diaby you would have probably liked to see him on a little bit earlier but substitutes not right yesterday um, I think I, again I think he comes back to I think he's trying to give minutes to players I think that's what it is I think he knows that we've got eight games over the course of December you know nine if you take into account middles but at the very start of the, of the new year a lot of games to get through. And I think he's probably looking at that and thinking, I need all my players to be fighting fit. And I think that's why he gave Moreno minutes on Thursday night from from, from the start. And uh, I think it's kind of why he brought Ramsey and even Duran on, to be honest with you, at, that, at the points he did. And Ramsey comes on at half-time. And I think we all thought, yeah, it's a good change. But I don't think his legs were there, if I'm being honest. I think he looked a bit rusty, yeah. which he will do. He's been out for a while. But he was very quiet, wasn't he, Jacob Ramsey? And um, I do wonder whether at that point, tactically... Uh, whether Diaby was probably the better option but look I understand what the manager's doing he was trying to get minutes into the players legs and the same with John Duran he tried to two up top didn't he for a bit with Watkins and Duran and yeah again he needs minutes and you know Duran he had that one didn't he where he spun and he hit the post but mm. yeah I, I don't know whether I don't know whether they were the wrong the wrong substitutions I don't want to criticise the manager like that and, and I wouldn't but yeah it, it just felt to me like yeah I, I'm not sure if they were correct in hindsight just because Especially Ramsey. Ramsey just didn't look like he had had the legs to do what he what what, what we all what we all come to expect of him, sort of thing. But if you're looking on the plus side of it, we did get minutes into the legs of Ramsey, of Zaniolo, of Duran, of Alex Moreno again. So and even Diego Carlos as well. So a lot of these players who have been in, in the on the fringes for injuries or or tactical reasons, at least they're now getting minutes because we'll probably need all of them, like I say, throughout this month. Yeah, definitely. Like we've said a million times, eight games in December and that bench going into yesterday did look a little bit stronger than what we've you know, sort of come used to this season. Cash, Moreno, Diaby, Duran, sort of Jacob Ramsey on the bench as well. So it's 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 going to be a difficult one for the manager to sort of work out how, like, it's like a jigsaw, isn't it? Mm. Who are you going to use when? Because we've got a lot of games. We've got a sort of game every three or four days. So it's going to be difficult. So so it's going to be a difficult job for him. Not, not a lot else to talk about in the game, to be fair. We'll probably move on to the 90th minute equaliser, which is probably the only time that we we move the ball really well in, in a forward sense as well. Talk, talk a lot about Diego Carlos, but in terms of power time, Torres. That's exactly what you want from him for the goal, isn't it? Sort of driving into midfield where there is a bit of space. That pinpoint ball over to Diaby. It's like drilled, isn't it? It's not like a floaty nothing ball. It's drilled out to Diaby and it's drilled into the box from him. Those balls from Torres and Diaby are absolutely pinpoint. And the header, it's one of the best I've seen from Ollie Watkins. Yeah, that, that pass from Torres was just unbelievable. And he does that time and time again. Like his distribution is off the off the charts. It's that good. Um and then yeah, Diaby just just very direct, wasn't he? Really, just gets the ball down and uh, just just swings it in. A great cross in a brilliant area, but like sort of behind Ollie Watkins, and he has to use literally all mm. the all of his net muscles to get that power into that header. Incredible header to beat uh, to beat the goalkeeper from there. I mean, 
just just yeah he's got like i say he's got to get so much power into it while he's moving backwards as well like i think he said in the post-match interview that was it was the best headed goal he's ever scored um and i'd absolutely go with that it was it was absolutely brilliant I mean, that was like uh that was like a harland or something like that everyone would be talking about that literally until the carriers come home because it was in a bournemouth villa game it's watkins it sort of goes under the radar a little bit but it was absolutely a phenomenal phenomenal sort of header and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of on the I'm kind of on the fence whether we deserved it or not. I, I think mm. if you look at the overall play, I suppose you'd say we probably probably just about deserved the point. But then it, I do feel like we kind of got away with one as well yesterday. I don't think we were, in a, you know, at our you know at our best. Um, I think there was there was pockets that were sloppy and pockets that were were poor overall. But I, I think the one thing I will say though is that obviously you, you can't win every week, and I think we said that after the Forest game. You will have your off days, but the one thing I do like about this Villa team more more so than anything is our ability to come back. You know, from from losing positions. Yeah. There, I mean, you look at. You look at the three of our away games recently. We went to Wolves. Come, we come from one nil down to, to to draw one one. We come from behind at Spurs to to win two one. And yesterday we come from behind again to to rescue a point. And so, obviously, the the character and the spirit in the dressing room is like top notch. And like I say, you can't win them all. You can't be you can't be brilliant all the time. And Bournemouth, it's not an easy place to go. Newcastle went there a couple of weeks ago and lost two nil. And Bournemouth have been on a a good run of form, and I think they're starting to turn the corner now. They've been in that sort of position where a bit of a learning curve for the fans, I think, getting used to how Iriola plays. Kind of like when Emery came into Villa a little bit, I suppose, but mm. the results hadn't been there for him at Bournemouth. Um, but all of a sudden, the last few weeks, they're looking a fairly, fairly good bet now to stay up. I, I don't think they'll be in much trouble, to be honest. I thought they were, I thought they were good yesterday, Bournemouth. Yeah, and you could throw out all the cliches in the world. If you can't win, don't lose, etc. And I think Dan Bardell got quite a bit of stick on Twitter yesterday by saying it was a good point. I think in isolation, it's probably not. But I think in the context of the game, which I think is so important, context, 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 I think it is a very yeah. decent point. Look, it, it was one of our poorer performances. We didn't create a lot at all. I think in terms of troubling the Bournemouth goalkeeper, I think I can remember Louise having a shot where he probably should have scored at the end of the first half. But apart from that, didn't really create an awful lot. And like I said, Bournemouth are a decent team at the moment. They have they are on a decent bit of form. So to come away from there when you haven't played your best to pick up a point is decent. And four points out of Tottenham away and Bournemouth away, I think with context, you take it, don't you? I think you would, yeah. I think you would. And it's very easy for us to get carried away in the in the form that we've been in. I think it's very easy to get carried away yeah. and think we, we should be just turning up and winning anyway against anybody. And um Football doesn't quite work like that. Premier League, every single game is a tough game, isn't it? And I think we found that out. Even Luton at home wasn't the easiest game that we all expected. Mm. And so, yeah, you, you do have to be on your A game. And I think you, you're not going to be all the time. And so that's why it's pleasing to still come away with something. And uh, and I think I said to you, that's what the top teams do. The top teams go to places, don't play particularly brilliant, but pick up a point or something like that. I'll rescue it very late on. Kind of reminds me of the Sir Alex Ferguson's teams and Man United for all them. All, all, all throughout the 90s and the 2000s when, you know, Man United used to go to some places sometimes and he used to rotate the squad heavily, Fergie did. And, like, they used to have really patched up teams at times, like Darren Fletcher at centre-half and Park Ji-sung once at centre-half and stuff like that. And, yet <laughs> they used to have, they used to drop stinkers. I always remember some of Sometimes at Villa Park, used to drop absolute stinkers and then used to come up in the last minute with, like, an equaliser and, yeah. and they'd run away with a point and think, you know, we're happy with that. Yeah, we've got away with it. We've got some more minutes into the legs of the players. So maybe that's how we need to look at it. You know, we've got a we've got a point on the road when we haven't been totally at the races, and we've got a lot of minutes into some of the players' legs, which we'll I think reap the benefits of later this month. To be honest, so yeah, I think overall, I'm I'm 
I'm happy with it. I was happy to walk away with the point yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And we're still fourth in the Premier League, which I think some fans just need to look at and, and just realise that is real. We are fourth in the Premier League. Two-point buffer uh, down to Tottenham in fifth and then uh, three points down to Newcastle in sixth. Um, that, we'll wrap up Bournemouth there and just look at, just before we get onto questions as well from Twitter, just talk a little bit about uh, City on Wednesday, which is a huge game. A couple of people have asked um, sort of what team we'd go for uh, in terms of a Villa perspective. But just before we talk about what we do in terms of our Villa lineups, City, no Rodri, which I think is absolutely massive because he is just always a joke, especially against Villa, always pops up with the goal as well. No Doku and no Grealish because he's suspended, which I think he got suspend, uh, booked, didn't he, for kicking a ball away. So I think he's flapped coming back uh, to Villa Park there. But definitely to have those three out is massive. Yeah, and they've been struggling for a couple of weeks, City, in terms of players to even fill the bench. They haven't been making subs very often, have they, in recent weeks and stuff. And mm. so... I think it's a it's weird, isn't it? Saying it's a good time to play Man City. Uh, that feels absolutely <laughs> bizarre to say. That obviously it's still a crazily tough game, and uh, I think if we can start well on Wednesday night with our home form, you know, if we can generate a good atmosphere at Villa Park on Wednesday night, I, I, I fancy us. You know, I, fan, I fancy us. I think um, I think we've got a real good chance. I think Emery will have been. I think Emery will have been studying this game for a long time. I think it will have been before Bournemouth, and probably even long before that. I think he's probably been doing his tactical analysis for quite a while. I think I think we've got a chance. I genuinely think we've got a chance. Should be a really good night at Villa Park under the lights. Obviously, yeah, we're boosted by the fact that Grealish not available, Doku, but even more importantly, Rodgers not available. And Rodgers mm-hmm. been brilliant for Man City, um, especially against Villa. I think Villa's his most favourite club to play against. He scored what is this like yeah. four in the last? I don't know how many outings, but scored scored quite a lot of goals against us anyway. But um, yeah. but yeah, so to have him not available is a is a real. Yeah, real blow for them kind of thing. And so, yeah, looking forward to it. Again, I keep saying it's these big games you want to be involved in. I think we go back to tried and tested. For me, I think Cash comes back in. Kansas moves over. Um, Kamara obviously comes back in. Um, Diaby comes back in. And then it's just that question mark on who plays on that sort of left-hand side. Does he go Tielemans? Does he does he give Ramsey a start? Or does he play Bailey? I, I, I move McGinn over. I don't know. I don't know. But I think it'll be fairly back to what we kind of, the tried and tested, what we kind of know. What would you do at left back? I think I would, I think throwing Moreno in is is a big risk. I think he, he started a little bit slow against Leggy Warsaw. I think in the second half, he was a lot better. And to be fair, he probably played more minutes than, than I would have expected. I think he played about 80 minutes, didn't he? Which mm. is going to be great for him. Obviously, came on against Bournemouth as well. I think I'd probably stick with Luca Dean. I don't think there's any need to throw Moreno in at the moment. I think I think Luca Dean's playing well. I think he's I think he's done remarkably this season. He's been one of our sort of unsung heroes of, of the season so mm. far. Despite what what other people might say about him, I think I think he's done fairly well to be honest. So yeah, I don't think there's any need to to, to bring Moreno in. I think it'd be a bit again a little bit of a baptism of fire if we did do that. So I'd, I'd stick with Luca Dean. I don't normally like these sort of questions, but uh, how many points would you be happy with at a City and Arsenal? combined how many points because I think we were briefly talking about this just uh, after the game yesterday but I think for me I think if you can take two points out of that that's decent because obviously you've stopped um, both of those sides winning as well so two draws would be great three points would be very decent as well I think if you can get two or three points out of City and Arsenal at Villa Park I think that's great but I don't think it's out the realms of possibility for us to get more I don't want to get ahead of myself but I think Three points minimum is acceptable for me. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Without the context, it's hard, isn't it? But I think I think I'd be happy with two. But I think we need to be a bit more ambitious. And I, and you've got to remember, we aren't we're not Villa of eleven or twelve on a good run of form, and we're yeah. and we come up against you know two teams in the top three. We we fourth, and we come up against teams in and around us. And I know I know the beast of Man City, Arsenal in great form, but. 
I think we've got to have a little bit more ambition, if I'm being honest with you. And I think we've got to really see these games as we can win these. They're in our backyard where we've won 13 on the spin. We're going to do them sort of thing. And I, and I think that's the kind of attitude we need to have. And so, I don't know. I've got a good feeling about this week. I, I have a feeling we could get like a four points out of it or something. I genuinely do. I genuinely do. I just, I, I think if, look, we have to have certain things go our way. And I think yeah, of course. If, you can get, if you can get that early goal, in either of their games, I think, or both, you, you know, you'll really generate that massive atmosphere at Villa Park. And I think it always helps. I think if you look back to that uh, Newcastle game last season, where we scored really early and mm. Brighton at home this season and Brighton at home and then yeah. at the last day of last season, if you can do that, the atmosphere around Villa Park, it just all of a sudden becomes really difficult for the opposition to play against. I feel really confident about it. I think against anybody at Villa Park at the moment, I feel confident. Bring you on is what I say, yeah. Yeah, we've won 13 in a row, of course, at Villa Park. But we were talking to Justin, weren't we, at the Tottenham game last week. And it's like, we haven't really had any major, like the big, big boys come to Villa Park in that run. We've had, you know, Brighton, West Ham, who are okay. But to have City and Arsenal within the space of three or four days... It, it just feels like we haven't had that in a good while since the sort of run where we had them, you know, close together in February as well, where we lost them both at Villa Park. But you're right, you've got to have that mentality, haven't you, where you are coming to our place and you are coming to our place where we've won 13 in a row in the Premier League, which is just ridiculous. And yeah, we're fourth place, Aston Villa now. We're not going to be going against you and trying to potentially nick something because we're just, you know, sort of relegation candidate. We might do something we're expecting a loss. No, because if we beat Man City, we go above them. Exactly, and that's the key thing. Like, it's very easy for us to think Man City are this sort of, sort of super juggernaut team and they're going to steamroll everyone. But again, what, what we've seen recently is that they can be got at, especially at the back. And so with their absentees too, let's hope we can put that together and get a result. I mean, just imagine the atmosphere around the club if we could beat Man City on Wednesday mm. night. I mean, yeah, you might you might be a bit complacent going into the game against Arsenal on Saturday. That's my only real worry, but we'll worry yeah. about that when, when we get there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for it. I think these are... How many times have we always feared Man City and Arsenal to Villa Park over the years, yes. thinking, oh, you know, the best we can hope for today is a scrape, a 1-1 or a 0-0. Um, and yet this week, there's genuine excitement because we've, we are fourth in the league. We are playing very, very well and we are mixing it with the big boys and so this is the first time we've been like this. Well, I was going to say like since the Martin O'Neill days but that, that that doesn't even feel as good as it does right now and so I, yeah, I'm buzzing for it. I absolutely can't wait. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, bring it on indeed. Um, just a couple of questions then from people on Twitter to end off the podcast. Like I said earlier, a couple of football ones and then a couple of fun ones which will end on um, in a little bit. So this question comes in from Neil. It says, a couple of times we've tried as we concert right back and it doesn't seem to work, showing our lack of depth in that area. Also, how difficult do you think it is uh, for Moreno to force his way back into left back? I just think on the as we concert right back thing, does that sort of say to you that potentially doesn't trust Matty Cash and it's something that we're going to need to look at in January, signing a new right back? Maybe. I think there's a reason why. I think there's a reason why yeah, he's not playing Cash. I don't know what that reason is. Uh, there's a reason why, definitely. Um, although, although then you go back to the summer though and you think, why didn't we sign one in the summer? He must have had faith in him yeah. in the summer though. I don't know. I think I think we need a right back. He doesn't clearly doesn't rate Chambers. He, he'll never he'll never play his Chambers since that Warsaw game. We need a right back whether January is the ideal time to get one because you want one who's going to be better than Matty Cash theoretically don't you yeah. whether you're going to get that in January who knows but I think it'll be on the it'll be on the list within the next sort of um, within the next two transfer windows definitely unless he can work his magic and do sort of what he did last January and bring in a, a Moreno type obviously at right back who's only costing you 15 20 mm. million who you might get a cut price deal from Spain because they haven't got a lot of money whatever that would be the ideal thing how easy that is to do I don't know obviously Emmy knows the Spanish league better than anyone really so that that's an interesting one and that obviously brings us on to the other question there about how difficult it's going to be for Moreno to force his way back into left back 
we've said how good I think Luca Dean has been so far this season. But like we've said a million times, because we've got so many games, Moreno is going to get minutes. It's not a case of he's not going to play at all and Luca Dean's just going to keep going. We've got so many games. Again, that game in Mostar, Moreno's probably going to get hopefully 90 minutes there. So if he has a if he has a great game there, he'll probably get a half against Brentford. Whatever it is, the connotation's there. He'll get minutes. And if he impresses, which we, we imagine he does because he's a great player, He'll he'll work his way back in eventually. Yeah, I think once he gets fit, I think you'll see what Emery did last season. He was picking Moreno, then picking Dino for different games to suit the player. They're very the two very different players, but we kind of gifted at left back because they're two very very different left backs. They can offer something totally different, but both very good players. And so um, I think you'll see that. I think once Moreno is fully fit, I think he'll he'll probably rotate between the two of them. Yeah, and a couple of people asked about January stuff. Liam did. Richard asked a question about January. I don't want to talk too much about that because I'm not I'm not a massive fan of transfer rumours and making stuff up, whatever. But I think definitely a right back. And then the other one is just a substitute goalkeeper, isn't it? That's weird. I think Olsen was okay against Leggy Warsaw. Again, it's the case of him not having to make any saves, but with his feet, he was pretty decent. Could have got a of assists on the Thursday night but I think again it's one of them where if you didn't do it in the summer would you do it now I just don't understand that one I don't expect us to do a lot in in January I think if there's a deal if there's a deal to be done and it's a very good deal for the football club um, and Emery thinks it's going to improve the squad then I think he would do it um, but I wouldn't expect it to be honest. I think if what, like I said, one might come up out of nowhere and we might be a bit surprised. One of his targets might come up, become available, but um, I wouldn't bank on us doing a massive amount of business in January. I think it will be safe for the for the summer. But yeah, in terms of goalkeeper, I do think it's important. I think you know we've gone through the Europa sort of group stage with one game to spare, and Martins has played all but one, and that was only because mm. of a, an alleged knock kind of thing, and so. Again, I do wonder whether my, uh, whether Emery has faith in Robin Olsen. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. And so, I think if we want to improve, it's, it's, look, it's a minor detail at the moment because you know he's not Martins isn't injured. We're not having to play Olsen yeah. week in week out. It's a minor detail at the moment. Um, but I do think going forward, I think again, if we want to improve, that's probably one of the areas we we, we might want to look at. Yeah, I think Moreno, in terms of January signings, is the blueprint, mm. isn't it? I mean, obviously he did improve the side. He came in for a reduced fee. None of us knew a lot about him. I hadn't heard of him. Yeah. So he's definitely the blueprint going forward in terms of January signings. Um, Christopher makes uh, an interesting comment here. He says, what if any difference have you noticed in Villa's global presence in the last 12 months, channel interactions, etc.? Has Emery's star power in the team's success galvanised our reach and if so do you see it translating to the commercial success i.e transfer spending power i just i only put that in there because i wanted us to mention a chat me and you had last week about going to watch um Emery's side that Villa have, in terms of the whole V-Sports thing, have sort of partnered with and bought out the Rail Union in uh, the Basque Country in, in Spain. We were thinking about going to watch them. That might make an interesting video. But yeah, I, I, I don't know about sort of the rest of the question in terms of channel interaction since Emery's come in. Not really. Global presence, whatever. But just, we want to go and watch Rail Union, don't we? We do, yeah. That is on our, on our little, well, it's going to be planned for one of our little weekends, isn't it? So yeah, we're going to do that. I think, I think just briefly on Villa's sort of global reach, I think... It's, I think it will take time. I think it's going to get there under these owners. It's obviously come a long way. Um, the owners are obviously doing big things to sort of put us on the map. Obviously, last uh, last summer's trip to America was a big one for Villa, competing in the Premier League Summer Series. And so I think you'll see more of that, I do. And I think um, that sort of global reach comes with, more, with success, though. I think if Villa are successful on the pitch, if we, for instance, let's just say hypothetically we got into the Champions League this year, 
um, Villa's name is on a much bigger platform and people are talking about Aston Villa. You know, just, just like Newcastle kind of thing, Newcastle all of a sudden yeah. exploded onto a much bigger platform. And I think so, kind of, I think kind of success on the pitch goes hand in hand with success off the pitch as well. So I think watch this space on that one. Yeah, that word there that you used, explosion, that, that is a great way to describe what would happen if Villa got to the Champions League. And it's a huge if because we're still so early on in, in the season, but Villa would explode and that, that's the exciting prospect that we've got ahead of us. Last couple of questions then are not really too football related. Uh, they're a little bit of fun. This one comes in from Layson. He says, a nice easy question. What's your favourite kit combination so far this season? Mine is the triple claret. That's what Layson says. And we were coming at the um, concourse at Bournemouth and we were saying, oh, it's an all white kit. We don't really see that too often. I think I've got to agree with Layson there with the all claret kit. It, it kind of seems like whenever we play in that, we seem to win. And do you know what? Maybe an unpopular opinion. I'd quite like Villa's standard home kit to be all claret. I just love it. It's great. It looks so clean and so good. Yeah, I'm. I, I agree. I'm. A, I'm a big fan of total, total sort of matching, matching socks, shorts, and shirts. I'm. I'm a big fan of that. And uh, yeah, I think I've maybe I'll go slightly different and say I quite like the away, the white, the all, the all white combination. I quite like that. So yeah, that's what I go with. Lovely question here comes in from Aaron Field. Who is your dream guest? I guess he's talking about who would we love to have on the podcast. And I've always said it, Dean Smith. I'd, I'd love to speak to him because it was such an interesting time at Villa. And I remember Liverpool away a couple of years ago where we were speaking to his lad at the bar, like his son. And he was saying, thanks for all the nice things you've said about my dad. And it's just like, what? That's mental. And obviously you've grown up in a similar area to him and his family. And it's just like, it feels like he could be one of us. And he is one of us, essentially. So to just have a chat about great bar and about the villa, it would just be so good. Good Just to have a, a beer with Dean Smith and a microphone. How good would that be? Yeah, no, it would. And I think... For me, I think there's three there's three managers I'd quite like actually. I just 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 thinking as you asked that question, and I think you're right with the Dean Smith one definitely, just because of how he sort of walked into a club, sort of not doing great in the championship, and obviously went on that incredible run, and he he must have some stories to tell about his time at Villa, and obviously mm. being a Villa fan. So that's number that's number one. I think the other one for me, just because of this is where when I grew up being a Villa fan and who was the manager was John Gregory. Loved John Gregory. Uh, absolutely loved him. Had a lot of time for the bloke and just, just said exactly what he thought. And he was, even though he wasn't from the area, he was an absolute Villa nut kind of thing, John Gregory was. And mm. bought into everything that Villa was all about, right from a player to a first team coach under Brian Little and then obviously he became the manager. And yeah, a lot of respect for John Gregory. He, uh, he, I thought his Villa team back then was absolutely brilliant with the likes of Merson and Dublin, etc. I just, I love that team. That was the first team I I watched really for through following Villa. So yeah, John Gregory. And then I think I think missing the, the main man, I'd love to get Uno Emery on just just to just, just to hear <laughs> just to hear his stories about managing and just his experiences. And I just think I actually find like watching his press conferences and his post match interviews, I, I don't think I've ever done this with every, any other manager. I genuinely watch all of them. I find them really interesting. Um, I don't normally normally managers come out with a lot of cliches and talk you know, just talk about things a lot of other managers talk about. I don't yeah. find Emery does that, and so I think he'd be a really good guest. So if you and I wants to pop on, then uh, then yeah, give us a call. You always feel like you learn something from him, don't you? Yeah. You're right. Watching it goes back to talking about Dean Smith. It's someone that has a bit of personality. Like when Smith, I can't remember what game it was, but he was on Sky Sports, wasn't he? He was one of the pundits, and it's just interesting. Mm. And you feel like. He just got a bit of personality and he's fun to watch. And Unai Emery, yeah, you do feel like you learn something. So I think even just an hour of Unai Emery talking, not even us talking, just listening to him, I think that would be ideal. And a nice question here to um, 
end off from Chris, which I think is quite nice. He says, not a Villa question, I guess, but how did you both meet? Was it through Villa or did you already know each other from outside of football? Thanks always for the content. Being out in Japan, the videos and podcasts are so appreciated. Thank you very much for the kind comment there, Chris. Um, do you want to take this one, Sly? Yeah, so yeah, it was through the Villa, absolutely. And uh, it was in um, it was in Leipzig in pre-season back in, what was that, summer 2019? Just after we'd been promoted, wasn't yeah. it? Well, we just sort of stumbled upon each other, really. I think you asked me, I think you asked me about my tattoo, didn't you? About my Villa tattoo, <laughs> my uh, my Jack Grealish promotion tattoo. And uh, yeah, we just got talking from there, really, didn't we? Yeah, I think we had a brief couple of interactions on Twitter, didn't we, just before mm. that. And yeah, we were both out in Leipzig on our individual trips and we just got speaking from there, really. Hit it off from there because you sort of abandoned your mate, didn't you, to sort of hang around with us. And it's sort of, it's gone from there, isn't it? So yeah, it's been good the last couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah it's grown quite a lot <laughs> since then in terms of us and in terms of the terms of the club really so yeah happy days but yeah I think that you know what I think that's just the the great thing about football and and the villa though it brings people together doesn't it and I think the volume of people that you know I've met and but well, we've met you know obviously you, you being the main one but then obviously a lot of other people have 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 come through that as well and I think a lot of you know a lot of my mates these days have all been sort of been met through the villa sort of thing and so yeah, yeah football football brings people together doesn't it and I think when you talk to people who don't like football, who don't understand football, that sounds like an absolutely mental concept to people that football can do that. But uh, yeah, it genuinely does. So yeah, absolutely love it. Oh, I'd, I'd have no mates if Villa didn't exist. Honestly, like literally, I'm just thinking <laughs> all of my close mates I've met through Villa. So it's just, it's absolutely class. And just even like the weekend just gone, like just having mm. drinks with guys that you've met from following Villa, literally all from different walks of life, all different ages. And you just all sort of bond over that one thing in Villa and it's just it's just great and that's probably the main reason why I love following Villa like yeah it's great going to every single game and traveling the world and whatever but it's it's always about the people isn't it yeah it is absolutely and uh, you're right like weekends like you you don't think of it at the time but you're right like weekends like just gone obviously one of the chaps who were out with on the weekend Paddy I mean me and you met him the first time back in Dubai this time sort of last yeah. year when we went to follow Villa and yeah then we ended up in America together and yeah, it just, uh, yeah, it just, it just, it, it's mad. It's it's mad the friendships that you do generate through that common interest and. Uh... Yeah, where would we be without it? Exactly, exactly. Huge week and month coming up for Austin Villa then. Enjoy it. Don't overreact like a couple of people have on their Twitter this week. I think the bloke behind us said yesterday, didn't he, at Bournemouth, that uh, we had the worst two full-backs in the league. So yeah. uh, that, well, that sparked a bit of argument yesterday, didn't it? I was say, well, don't get me started on that one because I absolutely just felt like, <laughs> I felt like, well, I just got very irate for, for, for a quick minute, didn't I? And I, that just annoyed me, that did. I was like... Am, am I hearing this right? We're top four. <laughs> we're top four, and this bloke's telling me behind how we've got the two worst fullbacks in the league. So, yeah, baffling. Absolutely baffling. Ah, oh, you can never please everyone, can you? Enjoy the ride. Uh, check out all the Villa on Tour videos and uh, do subscribe over there on YouTube because there's a lot of good ones coming up. Obviously, the City one, hopefully, that's a decent one. I won't beat the Arsenal game, which I'm absolutely gutted about. But next week, we're off to Bosnia. That video is going to be an absolute belter. So, do subscribe over on YouTube for that. Subscribe on the podcast as well so you never miss an episode. Play to chat through over the next month or so next time we shall speak to you will be next week to talk through the huge two games of villa park coming up this week and of course preview our trip to bosnia speak then have a good week and up the villa oh.